And for centuries now, Christians have been saying this, this declarative statement. And, and a lot of times we say it on, on a special Sunday, Easter Sunday, but I'm here to tell you that every single time we worship, we should be able to declare this statement. And here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say, He is risen, and you're going to say, He is risen indeed. Okay, let's try it. From the depths of all that you have, He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen indeed. Amen. Let's try that all together. God is good. All the time. All the time. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen indeed. Praise the Lord. Those statements are true. And as we celebrate a risen Savior this morning, every single day we should be celebrating these. So it brings days like this when we ask this question, why, God, do bad things happen? Why do you just not seem fair? We can stay in these two statements and know that he is always good and that he is risen and he is risen indeed. Amen? Amen. We're going to tackle this question. I want to dive right into it. Why doesn't God seem fair? If you've ever asked this question, I don't want you to feel bad, okay? Uh, I believe it's very important for us to realize that for centuries, people have been asking this question. And if you look through scripture, you will see that it's not just present day Christians that have asked this question. But it has been asked in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, all throughout Scripture. This question has been asked in various different ways. In the, in the Old Testament, Abraham asked it this way. Should not the judge of the world judge fairly? Should not the judge of the world judge fairly? Moses said it this way. God, why don't you treat your people the way they deserve? And then Jeremiah the prophet said, why do the wicked prosper? You see, it's not, the, it's not fair. We say that a lot of times. It's not fair. Life's not fair. God's not fair. And I'm so glad today that God's not fair. I'm so glad that God's not fair. God is a just God, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But God is not fair. There's nowhere in Scripture that says God is fair. God is a just God. But he doesn't have to be fair, and I'm glad for that. And if we, look at, if we keep looking at Scripture, we see over and over throughout the Psalms that David, the, well, he's, he's the contributor of most of the Psalms. David, over and over again, could hardly open one of his Psalms and see why he wasn't asking God a why question. God, why didn't you answer my prayer? God, where are you? Why don't you show yourself to me? Why don't you deliver me from my problems, God? Why don't you seem fair. I found over my years as a pastor and dealing with people uh, many times one-on-one there, most people today are not asking the out there somewhere why questions. They're not asking the why did this bad thing happen to those people or why did, why did God allow this to happen? That's not why everybody asks the why question. A lot of times when I deal with people one-on-one, they're asking the why question that is more personal. It has to do with their circumstances. God, why did this bad thing have to happen to me? Why, do, why does my family have to go through this trial now? Why are all of these things just mounting against us and we can't seem to get ahead? And many times when I deal with people, they're not thinking so much about all of the other stuff that's going on out there. They're thinking about why does God seem unfair to me? 
And, and many times people ask that question of themselves in their present situation. I want to start with a story this morning that is, is a little on the lighter side, but I want you to bear with me, okay? Uh, it's a personal story, uh, and I, I, those of you that don't know me, uh, I grew up in the parsonage, which is the, the home of the pastor of the church, and my dad's a pastor, and uh, he's still pastoring, and I, I praise God for that. And, and I am thankful for that time that I had growing up in the church and in, in the parsonage, in the home of the pastor. And one, one particular time in my life, as a young junior high boy, um, I, was, I was struggling. Junior high is tough, right? Nobody else thought junior high was tough. You guys awake? Was junior high tough for anybody else? Can I just see some hands? Few of us. Okay, I'm going to talk to you for a minute, okay? Okay. Uh, Junior high was tough for me, and uh, I remember as a junior high boy that there was a, a particular moment in our life, in our family's life, where my dad was really struggling, and uh, my dad began to uh, seek out uh, opportunities uh, beyond the church, and uh, he continued to look at, at things within the church, and I remember one specific time where, where my dad was called to go interview at a church in Texas. We lived in Pueblo, Colorado at the time, and he went to interview with my mom to Texas. We did not go with him, and everything about the interview went well. The board interview went well. The, the house that they had for my, my, our family was, was just going to be a great house. It was going to be a great school system, and everything seemed great from everything we were hearing as kids from our parents, and so I began to do what any smart junior high boy would do. I quit everything. I quit in school. I quit trying at, at things that around church. I just quit. I just I'm like we're leaving. This is I'm done. I can start over fresh. I don't need to worry about this. And I stopped everything. We went through the process, and lo and behold, my dad did not take that church. And so then I had to pick up my own pieces, and I began as that. 12 to 13-year-old boy saying, God, why? Why, did, why does everything see so, seem so up in the air? Why does our life seem so, so turned upside down? Why do we have to go through this? Why are we dealing with this and nobody else is? This is not fair, God. Why are you doing this to me? The reality is, is that uh, you have probably faced way more painful things than that. And if I was to be honest with you, so have I. As life has happened to me over the years, that is one small, insignificant moment that at the time seemed bigger to me than it really was. And if we're really going to tackle this question today, we have to talk about some of those tragic moments that people deal with. And tragically, I hate to say this, but I know there's a lot of people that are probably asking the question, God, why did, why did you make that bad thing why did you allow that bad thing to happen to me? Why did you allow that person that loved me to treat me so poorly? Why did you allow my spouse to walk out on me? Why did you allow this bad situation to happen to me? Why did you allow her to get breast cancer? Why did you allow the brain tumor? Why can't we have our own children? Why can't we conceive God? Why don't you want us to have our own children? God, why did I get laid off from that job when you know I work harder than anybody else there? God, why 
Do we have this mountain of bills and no way to pay them? You know, I think there's so many people in the world today that really, really, really want to give God the benefit of the doubt. They really, they may not go to church, they may not call themselves a Christian, but they're, they're searching for something. And, and it may be you today, it may be you that you're here on a divine appointment and you maybe want to give God the benefit of the doubt and you are just like, I want to believe in you, God. I want to believe that you do good. I want to believe that you are all-knowing and that you are all-powerful. I want to believe, God, that you work everything out for good just like you say you do. I want to believe it, but God, how can I believe it when I see so many bad things happening in the world? How can I believe that there's a good God when so many children are dying of starvation? How can I believe that you're a good God when when abortion is so prevalent in our world today? How can I believe you're a good God when when there's murders and and mass shootings and and the, the family is being destroyed by any means possible? How can I believe you're a good God? I want to give you a chance, but I can't. I want to put you in charge, God, but you just don't seem to be handling it very well. I think I could do it better. And we begin to live for self. <laughs> I, 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 I tried to warn you, you know, this message today is not going to be uh, three points in a poem. And you're going to go to lunch and say, wow, now this all makes sense. Thank you, Pastor BJ. Let's go eat. Let's have a good day. No, I'm, I apologize. You know, and I want to also say this. I'm not going to claim to have every answer to these questions. I've said this throughout this series that, that we probably cannot answer every specific why question. We just can't do it. And I don't want to stand here and seem arrogant or conceited as a pastor, as your pastor, and say, I've got every answer. If you've got an answer, come to me because I don't. And I'd have to tell you that I, I don't know the answer to all the questions. I don't know the answer to every scenario. But I do know the one who does. And my goal today, just like it has been the last two weeks, is that I could point us to the one who does know the answer. And as we put our trust and we put our faith into him, he will reveal those answers to us. I can't even promise you that you will know these answers this side of heaven. But I do know that he has all the answers. I do know the one who created you and created me can answer these questions. Amen? And so I want us to look today at God's word to help us to see how to answer this question. Why do bad things happen to good people? Some people in the church think this, and they'll say this a lot, and you'll hear this a lot, and so we need to get this out of the way as well. They'll say, well, the reason something bad is happening to you, it's because obviously there's sin in your life. There's sin in your life. There's, there's a reason something bad happens to you is because you're sinning. You're living in sin, and you're sinning, and that's why this is happening to you. Or you don't know how to pray hard enough, or you're not praying long enough. I want you to know that that reasoning alone by itself in that context is false, Okay, It is false, and I'm going to explain it here in a minute. I want to get rid of that, because what that is basically saying is that this unrelated sin is the consequence of this unrelated thing that's going on over here. In other words, because you stole a candy bar from that store when you were eight years old, your wife now has cancer. That is just not true. 
that is not from God's word, okay? So we must grab that right away, okay? We must get rid of that understanding, and we must open our minds to what God wants to show us today. A past, unrelated thing that you've done does not have anything to do with bad things that are happening to you now, unrelated, okay? So let's get that out of the way. But here's where I want us to dive in here, okay? Where if you're taking notes, here is how we're going to answer this question from God's Word today. Let's start with this. Why do bad things happen to good people? Maybe you're a victim of a broken world. Maybe you're a victim of a broken world. John 16, If you have your Bibles, don't go there yet with the slide. I want us to, to, to look at that in just a minute. But if you have your Bibles, turn there to John 16, 33. You know, maybe the bad things that are happening to you in this world are because of what's happened in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. If you take God's word and you look at Genesis 1, 2, and 3, that's where sin entered the world. That's where God had created everything. And God said in Genesis 1 and 2, he said, I've created everything and it is good. He said that. If you don't believe me, go look at it today, okay? God said that. I've created this and this. For six days, he created the world. And he said every single time, he said, it is good. But then, because he created man and woman, he gave us free will because we're not some robots that he's just controlling. He wants a relationship with us. Because in Genesis chapter 3, the serpent is living in the garden. He comes and he tempts Eve with the fruit that they're not supposed to eat of. And Eve then gives it to her husband, Adam, and he eats it as well. And right away, bang, we have sin. The whole perfect plan that God had in order for the world is now broken. It's broken. Sin has entered the world Choices have entered the world, and it is broken. The perfect world that God had is gone. There's punishment. There's consequences. There's curses for the sin. Ladies, mothers that are here that have, that have had children themselves, you know this because the Bible tells us this. If, if sin had never entered the world, your labor would have been painless. Can you imagine that? Well, I got an epidural, so it was pretty close. No, 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 no. There would have been no need for it. Because sin entered the world. Now, women, you have pains in childbirth. Can I get a mother to say amen to that? Men, we have consequences too. The Bible says the ground will be cursed. (laughs) I know there's some farmers in here. I don't care what you farm, whether it's animals, crops, whatever. It's hard work, amen? Wow, no? Maybe I need to change professions. Is farming hard, Jared? Yes, it is. Why? Because our world is broken. In God's perfect world, there would have been no need for sprinklers. Do you realize that? He would have watered the earth just the way he wanted to, and it would have been fine. The crops would have grown. You would have been able to harvest them and eat them, and there would have been no issues. But because we live in a broken world, there's been consequences for that sin. There's been consequences because we live in a broken world. John 16, 33. You know what? Jesus didn't say this in John 16, 33. He didn't say you're never going to get a headache. He didn't say you're never going to have a bad day. He never said that you wouldn't have one of those days that you would remember forever. Let me tell you about it, okay? He wouldn't say this, that you're going to, high school kid, that you wouldn't get a zit on your nose on prom night. He didn't say that. 
He didn't say that you, he didn't say that you, would, you would go through life and, and never have heartache. He never said that. Here's what he said, John 16, 33. Let's look at this together. In this world, you will have trouble. Here's another translation. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. If you know me at all over the last couple of months, you know when the Bible says that word, you will, you will, you can take it to the bank. It is true. It will happen. There is no gray area there. You will have trouble. I don't care how good a person you are. I don't care how perfect and sinless your life is. You will have trouble. Why? Because Jesus himself said it. Jesus himself said it. In this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will face trials and sorrows. Here's how Eugene Peterson said it in the message translation. He says it this way. In this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties. That's good. In this world, this broken world, you will have trouble. You will have pain. You will face hard times. You will have things that you don't like, things you don't understand. But it's a promise from him. But it's because of our sin-stained world, you will have trouble. But Jesus goes on to say, but take heart. But take heart. Why? Because I have overcome the world. Wow. That's where that declarative statement comes in. Jesus said, in three days, I'm going to rise. I'm not going to be in this tomb any longer. In three days, he did what he said he would do. Why? Because he said, I have overcome the world. As long as you live in the world, you will face troubles. You will have hardships. But we know the one who has overcome it all. And we can put our trust in him. But take heart. I have overcome the world. That is good news this morning. Why do bad things happen to good people? Because you're a victim in a broken world. But the good news is that Jesus has overcome the world. He's overcome the world. The second reason is, and this is going to be hard for some of us to swallow. Why do bad things happen to good people? It's maybe because you brought it on yourself. Now, hold on, Pastor. You just said a minute ago that because of my sin in the past, it had nothing to do with my hardship now. Unrelated, that's true. Related, that's not true. Here, let me explain it to you. If you go out some night and you just want to indulge yourself, you go out some night and you just go to whatever place you're going to go to get this stuff and you go and you get a 12-pack of beer and you drink all 12 of them and then you get in your car and you drive down the road and you hit somebody else and you get into a wreck and you get a DUI and you get in trouble, your license gets suspended, you get thrown in jail and you sit, sit, start sitting there thinking, God, why do these bad things keep happening to me? He's going to say this to you. It is because thou drinketh 12 beers, drove home drunk, and got your second DUIeth. Thus saith the Lord. You did it to yourself. You see, this is what Paul's writing says in the letter to the Galatians, chapter 6. 
He says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from their flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. What happens to a person who sins? The Bible says you reap what you sow. The one who sows your your selfish desires and your selfish nature, you will reap destruction. It will happen. If you go out and make a stupid decision, it will have consequences. I've dealt with people long enough to know, especially people that have uh, been incarcerated for decisions they've made, choices they've made. I've sat across the glass with, with men that have said to me, I know I messed up. I know that I made a bad decision, and I know there's a consequence to it. But I praise the Lord that even though we're living through the consequences, it does mean that He still can work in our life. Just because you made a stupid decision that caused a stupid consequence doesn't mean He rejects you and it's over. It means He still wants to help you. He's like, you brought it on yourself. You were living for flesh. Why don't you try living for spirit? Why don't you try living for me? Let me help you. Let me bring this to a bigger picture for you. (laughs) What happens to the person who sins? They reap destruction. The one sows to please his sinful nature. From that nature, he will find destruction. God, why am I hurting financially? You might be saying this, God, why why can't I make ends meet? Well, it might be because you drive a $40,000 car. You go home and park it in your $200,000 home that you just got back from your seven-day vacation that you maxed out your credit cards for, and you make $28,000 a year. You did it to yourself. You might have brought on your consequence because of a bad decision you did yourself. A decision that directly relates to the consequence you may have brought on yourself. A decision that you made a long time ago that has no no related thing to do with the bad thing. That's not what we're talking about. You might have brought it on yourself. A man reaps what he sows. If you reap, sow from the flesh, you will reap destruction. And I have to say, you know, I'm glad you're here. You're probably thinking, boy, I came to Pittsfield Church of the Nazarene and it's this pastor's goal to make me feel good. Sorry. <laughs> Why are bad things happening to you? Maybe you're a victim of a broken world. Maybe you've brought it on yourself, but maybe there's a new category. Maybe God wants to do something big. John chapter 9, verse 3. It's, it might be that you're going through something that you don't even understand yet. It, it may be that, that you never knew what God wanted to do through your trial and through your hardship. I want you to put yourself in the shoes of this blind man in John chapter 9. This, this, this young man was born blind. He's born blind. If you put yourself in his shoes for a moment as he grows up, he can't see, but his brother and sister can see, his mom and dad can see. And he's probably wondering sometimes, God, why can't I see? Why did you do this to me? And then it gets so bad that the older that he gets that people start doing what we talked about that's not biblical. They say, it had to have been because of sins from his parents' past. 
because of what they did in their past, he's now blind. No, no, no. It, well, it's probably because of what he did. He probably did something. No, he was born that way. And Jesus says this in John chapter 9, verse 3. This is what he says. He says, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened, why? So the power of God could be seen in him. In other words, you may be going through something that's so bad that something you don't even have a clue to how to understand it. And God might be saying, just trust me because I, I want to do something big for you. Whew, that's hard. That's hard. How do I trust that? God, you haven't done anything big for me all my life. That's not true either, but that's how we think when we're going through the dumps. And then he says, I got something big I want to do for you. I got something so that the power of God can be revealed. In other words, Jesus says, I've got a new category for you. New category. Because God wants to reveal himself through your hardship, something big is going to happen. I could just see the, the crowd there as, as Jesus is saying this, as they're coming to him with questions, and Jesus is, is, is going through this situation with him. Well, is it because of that and that? No, 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 no. And Jesus says, you know what? This young man is blind because God knew what his life was going to be like. God knew that this was going to happen, and he allowed this to happen so that I could work through him, and you all would see it and believe. Wow. Mind blown. Incredible opportunity that was here just now. In the Old Testament, it's the same thing. Joseph, Joseph's life. If anybody had reason to complain about bad things happening to him, it was Joseph, sold by his brothers into slavery because he had some crazy dreams. Aren't you glad we don't share every one of our dreams? Amen? Joseph didn't know that rule. He shared his crazy dreams. And his brother says, man, we got to get rid of this crazy dude. Threw him in a well. People were coming. They say, let's, first they said, let's kill him. The, the older brother was wise. Firstborn's always the wisest, right? Amen? I'm a firstborn. That's why I say that. Yeah. He says, you know what? Let's just get him out of the well. Let's sell him to these traders. And then let's just go back and report that something bad happened to him. Uh, yeah. Maybe not so wise, I don't know. But Joseph goes through all this hardship, and then we fast forward the story. Joseph is the second in command in Egypt. Second in command to the king, to the Pharaoh. And there's a famine in the land. Well, guess what? That famine was his dream. All those years ago, the famine happens, and Joseph is in charge of all the food. Woo! And his brothers are back on the farm. They think he, Joseph is long gone and dead. And all of a sudden, they're, they're dying of starvation. And their dad says, why don't you go to Egypt and get us food? They said, Dad, okay, that's where everybody's going. We'll go. So they go. They say, help, help us eat. They go and get who? Joseph. Joseph sees them and knows exactly who they were. Why? Because God wanted to do something big. Why did Joseph get thrown in a well? Because God wanted to do something big. Why did Joseph get sold into slavery? Because God wanted to do something big. Why did Joseph get thrown into jail for false accusations? Because God wanted to do something big. Maybe because you're going through a hard time. Maybe because something bad's happened to you. Maybe God wants to do something big through it. Watching my dad go through the pains of ministry quitting on myself and my circumstances in that time. 
made me ask this question, God, this just doesn't seem right. This doesn't seem fair. My dad ended up going on a, on a sabbatical, a time away to really collect himself. He was praying and seeking God's direction for his life and his ministry. And there was times during that sabbatical where, where my dad even entertained getting out of the ministry. And that's all we ever knew as a family it was, was church. Church was our life. It's, it's who we are. It's, it's what we love. It's, it's what we do. It's, it's everything about us. It's, it's what we prioritize. And all of a sudden, I remember going to wake up my mom to take us to school one day, and on the nightstand in their bedroom was a manila folder addressed to State Farm Insurance. Nothing wrong with State Farm Insurance. I'm a customer, have been a long time. I love State Farm Insurance. However, it was from my dad, and it was his resume. And I remember looking at that folder, thinking about how our life is going to change. Our life is going to change. So my dad's on this sabbatical, and, and uh, during this sabbatical, we would travel around and go visit other churches so he could get some insight and talk to some other pastors and really get some understanding. And it was on the last night of this sabbatical. We're sitting in our home church in Pueblo, Colorado. I'm sitting on the back row in the back part of the church. And I'm just sitting there wondering, God, what does this mean? What's next? And God speaks to my heart in that moment. He says, BJ, I want you to do what your dad does. God, why? He's going through all this hardship. Why do you want me to do that too? Why do I have to go through this too? Why do I need to put my future family through this same stuff? Do you trust me? I walked out of that aisle, walked all the way down to this altar and dedicated my life to God. I said, whatever you want to do, I'm all yours. 13 years old, I got up from that altar. I had a youth leader that grabbed me before I even got back to my seat. He said, God's doing something big in your life. He said, I want you to start teaching Sunday school. 13 years old. I said, okay. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Start teaching Sunday school. He goes, okay, I want you to start preaching on Wednesday nights. He said, I don't know, what I, I don't know how to do that. He goes, yeah, you do. Trust the Lord. He'll show you. And he helped me. And he walked with me. I started leading youth group with him by my side at 13 years old. This same youth leader, a few years later, we moved away, moved to Lincoln, Nebraska. God continued to use me. He allowed me to preach. Any chance I got, I was up there preaching. 13, 14, 15 years old, 16 years old, this same youth leader in Colorado calls me up. He says, we're having our winter retreat. You know it well. I said, yeah, it's one of the best times of my life. He said, I want you to come be our speaker. 16 years old. I said, Phil, you're crazy. He goes, no, I'm not. I want you to come and speak at our retreat. I went and preached, 16 years old, preached a weekend retreat for young people. Got married, started a family. God said, I want you to go and minister to young people so that they can find and follow Jesus Christ. I want you to be a youth pastor. I want you to, to dive into these kids' lives. I want you to make a difference in their lives. Then he had some crazy idea. He said, you know what? I want you to go lead a church in Missouri. I said, whoa. Now I know I'm in over my head. You take me to the middle of nowhere, Illinois, now to the middle of nowhere, Missouri. Gotta be kidding me, God. Why? So I could trust him because he wanted to do something big. 
Then Then he says, you know what? Things are going so well for you. Guess what? I want you to hit pause on your ministry. Why, God? Why? Because your mom and dad need you. I need you to go and I need you to be there for your mom and dad. I need you to carry the armor for them. I need you to carry the shield for them, not knowing what would happen. So we move our whole family again to Oklahoma. My dad gets sick and I got to start leading this church. God, why? Why? And then God had the nerve to have somebody in Pittsville, Illinois, call me and say, would you come be our pastor? I said, no. A year later, somebody else called. Said, we're still looking. We believe you're the guy. Would you pray about it? God, why did I have to go through all that turmoil back there? Because I want to do something big through you that you can't even see. I'm not saying this to to toot my own horn or to to build myself up, but I just want to say, if you've ever been impacted by the ministry that that I've shared with you over these almost four years that we've been together, total, it goes back to that time in 1996 on that back pew when I questioned God and said, God, this doesn't seem fair. This doesn't seem fair. I'm only 13. Why are you making us go through this stuff? Because I want to do something big in your life. I want you to trust me. I want to do something that's beyond your control. Something so that the glory of God can be seen. You know what? You may be going through it right now. You may be at the bottom of the barrel. Trouble, pain, heartache. You know what? It may be Friday for you. Some of you may not know what I I mean by that. In In the... Christian religion and our faith, we believe and celebrate a day called Good Friday. A day when our Savior, Jesus Christ, was put on trial, he was beaten, he was tortured, and he was hung on a cross as a criminal, even though he never did anything wrong. His disciples deserted him. He was all alone, and he became sin in the flesh for us. And in the midst of that, he cried out the same thing you and I cry out. Why, God, why? And it was Friday, and he died that cruel death. (laughs) But he told us, it may be Friday, but Sundays are coming. It may be hell now, but heaven is coming. It may be hard now, but I got something bigger coming. It may be Friday and you don't get it. You don't understand. But Sundays are coming. Praise the Lord. It's Friday for some of you. But Sundays are coming. Sundays are coming. God wants to do something big in your life. Why do bad things happen? Maybe it's because of the broken world we live in. Maybe it's because you did it to yourself. And maybe it's because God wants to do something bigger. This last one's not a maybe. It's a for sure. Why do bad things happen to good people? It's for sure God is doing something in you. Why are bad things happening? For sure, when bad things happening, you can know that God is doing something in you. 
He's doing something for you. He's doing something in you. And it's a fact. In fact, there's a very annoying scripture that talks about this. The pastor just called the Bible annoying. Yeah, some of you will get hung up there. But if you read it when you're going through troubles, it is annoying. If you read it when you're not feeling real, real good about yourself, it's like, why is this one in here? I got to believe this one with John 3.16? How does that work? <laughs> but here it is, James 1, 2, and 3. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. It doesn't say be happy about every problem that you have. Happiness and joy are two different things. That's a whole other message. I'm not going to preach it now. But joy is much deeper than happiness. Joy comes when we know what our hope is in. Joy happens when we know that God works all things out for the good of those who love Him. Joy is being content knowing that we're not in control. Consider it pure joy when you face trials. Why? Because God's doing something in you. He's doing something in you. Consider it pure joy when you face trials because the facing, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. No matter what painful events you've gone through, no matter what trouble you may be facing right now, I tell you today, the more pain you've endured, the more faith is built. The more pain you've gone through, the more times you've asked the question, life isn't fair, why God? Because God's doing something in you. He's working out something in you. Life isn't fair, but here's the deal. When you do life with God, when you do life in His church, empowered by His work, I want to promise you something. You walk with him over a lifetime, you will declare every bit of, with every bit of assurance what we declared earlier today, that God is good. All the time, God is good. I snuck that one in on you. Let's try it again. God is good. All the time. He is, and he's doing something good in you if you're facing a hard time. He's doing something good in you. As we close today, I want us to think about a couple things before we leave. What is God trying to show you in your difficult situation? What is He trying to show you personally? There's times where we go through things that He's showing it for us. He's dealing with us personally. There's a situation in our life that, that He's dealing with us primarily. It doesn't impact other people. But then there's other times that we go through things that are for us to be able to help others. So that's the next question there. How can you help someone else face their difficult situation? Let me give you an example of this really quickly. As many of you know, Pastor Alicia is my wife, and she's, she's in school right now for counseling. She shared her story with you. you. You, Many of you have heard her story, and I won't go into all the details. That's her story, and she can tell you that. But I asked her just the other day, I said, Alicia, do you ever get tired of what you're doing in counseling is, is always rehashing all the pain in your life. 
It's rehashing all of, that, all of those, those negative circumstances that you've gone through. And you're sitting here choosing to go into a profession that you're going to have to deal with that every single day. <laughs> just as my wife does, she just looks at me all flippantly and says, well, yeah, because God's healed me. And he's going to use me to help somebody else. Why? Because when she was going through the difficult situation saying, God, why are you allowing this? He said, I got something bigger for you. I got something bigger for you. I'm doing something in you that you don't even understand. And it's going to help you to help somebody else. Wow. Thank you, God. So you may be facing a difficult situation, and I want you to ask yourself the question, God, not why, but God, what are you trying to show me? What are you trying to show me? And if not me, God, how can I help somebody else? How can I help somebody else? You see, Scripture tells us that we are all sinners, and sometimes we ask this question, why do bad things happen to good people? We fail to realize that this question is really flawed. This is a bad question. In fact, if, you're, if you were to really confront me on this, I'd have to agree with you. This was a trick question. This was a trick question. You see, Scripture tells us that we have all sinned that we all fall short of God's glory. Scripture also tells us, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, that there is no one that is good except one. So when we ask the question, why do bad things happen to good people? The reality of that question is only one bad thing happened to one good person in the history of time. And it was a, to Jesus, and he volunteered for it. One person who's good, Jesus. And the bad thing is he took all of our sin on himself. Pastor, that's not true. I'm a good person. I do good things. I help a lot of people. I do good things. The Bible is very clear. All of us have sinned. All of us fall short of the glory of God. All of us mess up. All of us have hurts and hang-ups and problems. All of us are not perfect. And as soon as we realize that reality, then it causes us to see our need for a Savior. And it causes us to see, you know what? I'm not a good person. And the only way that I have any hope is because of the one good person who took care of all this for me. Amen? <laughs> Jesus was on that cross and he cried out those questions that we cry out a lot. Why, God? Why have you forsaken me? But that wasn't the last of Jesus' words. The last of Jesus' words were this. It is finished. It is finished. And the Bible says as soon as he uttered those words, it is finished. The Bible says he breathed his last and his spirit was released to the Father. In other words, it was out of his control. It was no longer his mission. He'd come to do what he said he would do. It is finished. Into you I commit my spirit, God. 
Into you I give my life. Into you I trust everything to. When we're tempted to say God is not fair, I would agree with you. He's not fair. He is just, but he's not fair. He took our penalty on himself. And now he asks us to trust him with that life that he just bought. God is good. All the time. And God wants control of your life. Will you let him? Will you let him? Would you stand with me this morning? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father God, we're going to enter a time of prayer now. We just want to give this time to you. Uh, You know my plans and you know the notes that you've given to me and you know what I had planned to close this service with. And God, if you want to change that, you can do that right now. God, I thank you that you help us in times of questioning, in times of doubting. When we wonder, God, why are we going through something? Lord, uh, you've given us insight from your word that the world is broken and sinful. There's going to be bad things that happen. And it's probably a good possibility it's just because of the world we live in. Sometimes we do stupid things and we have to deal with those consequences. And sometimes bad things happen to us because we did it to ourselves. Sometimes, God, you're up to something bigger than we can even see or imagine. But always in our trials, in our problems, you want to work in us something good, something better. God, I pray right now across this room, everybody listening to these words, I pray, God, that if there's somebody here that doesn't know you, that hasn't given you control of their life, and they want to do that right now, God, I pray that you would soften their hearts and that you would open their eyes and their ears to to hear what you would have to say to them right now. That you love them, that you desire the best for them, that you want to help them through these difficult times in life. And if they would just trust you with their life, you can help them. If that's you today, I want to pray for you. Would you just raise your hand? Would you look at me? I just want to pray for you. If you just want to trust God with your life, give him control of your life today. Would you just lift your hand? I want to pray for you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. God, as we continue today, you've seen every hand that was raised. You know every every heart that's committed to you wholeheartedly right now. God, I pray that when we're facing those troubles, you'd help us not to point blame, not to cast cast blame and point the finger, but God, may we turn to you and say, what are you trying to do here, God? How do you want to use me? And may we be obedient. God, for all of those that have committed their life to you, I pray, God, that you would give them opportunity to share that with somebody before they leave today. Because your word tells us that if we confess with our mouth that you are Lord, that you've saved us from our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins. God, would you help them to have the courage to tell somebody today? And we will celebrate with them. Thank you, God, for your love for us. Thank you for dying on a cross. Thank you. <laughs> for the pains and the heartaches because it gives us opportunity to trust you 
We love you. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. And everyone said together, amen, amen. Have a great day. God bless you. Happy Mother's Day.